0: Today's scripture reading will be taken from Luke 6, verse 17 to 26. And he came down with them and stood on a level place, with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him, and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, and so their fathers did to the prophets. For woe to you who are rich! for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. This is the word of God.
1: Thank you, Belinda, for reading God's word for us. This morning, if you have been with us over these past few weeks, you might have noticed that one of the themes of Luke's gospel, written to his wealthy friend, most excellent Theophilus, was that though salvation comes through faith alone, in his mercy and sovereign autonomy, God gives other good gifts, gifts that come before the gift of faith. They're gifts in His sovereign economy that are not dependent upon my faith. They're not restricted by my faith, no matter how imperfect it is. Now, I totally get that some of you need some time to chew on that just a little bit, But have you noticed, if you've been with us here in the building or perhaps listening and watching online, that Jesus commanded a paralytic man to stand up and walk before that paralytic man even spoke? In fact, he doesn't even speak in the story. Before and not even did Jesus ask him, do you believe in me? He said to that paralyzed man, stand up and walk. Did you notice that he told a man with a deformed hand to stretch it out without asking him about his faith or even what he wanted? Did you notice that he went to a profane tax collector and said to him, follow me without asking him, do you believe in me? So the gift comes. The gift of what? The gift of turning into Christ. We call that repentance. The gift of obedience comes even before the gift of faith. God in His mercy leaks grace. So some of you, I'm guessing, are here waiting for a miracle. Maybe you have a loved one who is sick. Maybe you have an elderly parent who is struggling. Maybe you have a broken relationship while you are waiting on that miracle, perhaps you would, like Luth, try obedience. Try doing everything Christ has asked you. You know that He's asked you to do while you wait on this one thing you're hoping for. In other words, Luke has shaped his gospel, and that's why we have specifically chosen the gospel of Luke. Because He has shaped His gospel for those who are almost, but not yet, radically dependent on Christ. He has shaped His gospel so that we might know that our doubts don't diminish His glory. Our misplaced faith does not displace His power. It is even while we are not yet. This is the message of radical dependence that we find in the gospel of Luke. So if you were with us last week, you heard that Jesus was resourcing his ministry, resourcing the strength in his life on top of that mountain through prayer, not through a strategy team meeting, but by praying to the Father, by calling out, by pleading to the Father, That's what He was doing on that mountaintop. And then He came down, and from His disciples, He separated twelve and made them holy because of the holy assignment He was giving them. Remember, eleven had the holy assignment of being ambassadors for the King of creation. And one, Judas, the destroyer, the son of destruction, had the holy assignment of fulfilling Scripture. That Jesus would come and live a perfect life and die on the cross for us. And as we come to the text this morning, we're going to understand, or at least begin to understand, what a radical, dependent life looks like as we talk about the state of dependence. Now, I took this photo at the end of um, Mondays, you know, Sherry and I do this walkie-talkie run. So at the end of our walkie-talkie run, I I took this photo, um, and I was just filled with a sudden sense of God's pleasure. I mean, it was like He had taken a cosmic paintbrush and highlighted every small cloud. It was so extraordinarily beautiful, and I'm a feeler, so, at that moment, I was feeling, I was feeling big time, and I just kind of spread my arms out right there on the beach, and I, I turned my face to the rising sun, and I, I said, Sherry, can you, can you believe how God has blessed us? And Tim Keller was silent, because as you heard last week, he was breathless. <laughs> but, but in her silence, I kind of felt a bit of like, okay, I'm going to say, I felt a bit of judgment you know because here I was feeling and she, and you know Sherry studied engineering so she's really not a, a feeler she was just assessing the situation watching her husband being like a you know four-year-old child and so on the walk back home I began to consider you know what what is a blessing and why 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 do I feel it and so as soon as I got home I googled that word blessing now, now just take a moment right now i mean it may separate us into engineers and Art majors, uh, what is it? What are the conditions you must have in your life before you really, like, I feel the blessing of God? How is it that you discern that you are firmly beneath the pleasure of the Almighty? What conditions do you require before you feel, wow, blessed? I Googled it, and here's the picture that came up. In, in case you're wondering, that T-shirt says, the world is full of hope. Let's begin to proceed with it. I have no idea what that means. But you know, I look at this picture and I say, yeah, that kid's happy. Is he blessed? Well, what is it that makes us feel like we we are just really blessed? And that's when I began to realize that all of us, every single one of us assess blessing by how good we feel in any given moment. If someone says nice things to us, we feel blessed. If someone treats us with kindness and affirms us, we feel blessed. We feel blessed when the food is amazing. We feel blessed under a wonderful sunrise or sunset. And if that's the way I assess blessing, then pick your poison. Any religion will do, right? We ask for the same things, just different gods. And so here in our text this morning, what Luke is trying to give us, bring us to is what it looks like when we are radically dependent on a loving God who desires for us what we don't even know how to ask for. This is blessing. So let's begin in the context in verses 17. 17- through 19 says this, and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, the seacoast of Tyrus and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all of the crowd sought to touch him for power came out of him and healed them all. At this point, it might be helpful for us to just look at a comparison. And, and by the way, this is not an exposition on the Beatitudes. If you want an exposition on the Beatitudes, right now Rodney Wu at International Baptist Church is doing a really good sermon series on the Beatitudes out of Matthew, but let's just look at the comparison. First, some people get nervous when there are different perspectives shared by different Gospels telling the same story, and some people will say, see, uh, there's a conflict, they're, they're different, but remember. Luke wrote this not because no one else had. He was writing this to communicate specifically to his intentional audience. And we have this by the grace of God. So in Matthew's gospel, Jesus went up, his disciples came to him. Because in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 4, and so the Beatitudes in Matthew are in chapter 5, but in chapter 4, the crowds are just welling about Jesus. They've come, as, as Luke has noticed, from all over Canaan, from Jerusalem. Luke says they even came from the east side of Jordan. They came from Syria. And Matthew says they came from Tyre. They came from the west coast. They came from the east They were surrounding Him, and in Matthew's gospel, He went up the mountain to pray. So, in in Matthew's gospel, Jesus was an introvert, needed a little space, you know, social distancing so He could recharge. But we know from Luke's gospel, He recharged how? Not by being alone, but being alone with God. So, in Luke's gospel, Jesus comes down a little bit. But there's one more thing because one of the big themes is Luke is, is not just the grace gifts that he gives that helps us to be dependent on him, but the power that is unique to Jesus Christ, the power that is emphasized by His mercy. Now here's what I was talking about by imperfect faith. The crowds gathered around him and sought to what? Know him? Did they seek to believe in Him? No, they sought to touch Him. I need a Jesus experience, because what they wanted was not new life, but better life. I'm sick, I prefer not to be. I'm lame, would rather walk. There's something about my life that is not quite so perfect. So before there was other prosperity preachers, there were people from Tyre and people from east of the Jordan who were looking for a best life right now. And I think I can get it from Jesus. Just assume Jesus wasn't their last or first stop. And yet, in His mercy not because of the condition of their faith, but because of the expanse of His mercy, they were healed because power just leaks out of Jesus. And so we must um, look at this blessing. After He had just sat there, power leaking out of him. Jesus then turned to his disciples in those verses are typed in by someone who has dyslexia <laughs> verses 19:20 he lifted on upon his eyes uh, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples. This teaching is not for everyone. This teaching is for those he has set apart for not just his mercy but for his grace. For gifts of repentance, for gifts of life and faith, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, just a quick comparison. One thing that's different is when Matthew records Jesus speaking, Jesus speaks almost always in Matthew's rendition in the third person. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are they. But Luke, every time, Jesus is speaking directly to His disciples, directly to us. Blessed are you. Now, there's several other things to notice about this passage of Scripture. First, um, many, many people of my generation have tried to make Luke's gospel the gospel of social ministry. Because they will point out, you see, Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit, but Luke just said, blessed are the poor. So that means we should focus on feeding people, helping people, clothing people, orphan ministry. That is enshrined in Luke's Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, which is great, except that means you are forgetting that Luke was writing an audience of one, and that one... Was not an impoverished homeless person. It was a man of privilege, oh most excellent Theophilus, a man of influence, a man of wealth, and this man didn't need to know God's going to bless you because you're poor. Secondly, that word poor does not exclusively mean lack of money, it means lack lack. So, for instance, in Revelation chapter 2, that should be 3, verse 17, Jesus is speaking to the church of Laodicea. He uses the very same word poor, and He doesn't mean they didn't have any money. He meant that they were spiritually bereft. For you say, church, I am rich, I've prospered, I need nothing, not realizing you are wretched and pitiable. poor blind and naked. This is a church that was neither hot nor cold. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth because you think you're rich in me and you're impoverished. So in Luke, this word poor means I have nothing. I am fully dependent on others to provide, and in this case, blessed are you who just like Matthew said, poor in spirit you know you need, and everything you need comes from the Lord. That word poor can also mean, as it meant in Galatians 4 verse 9, some worthless idea. That word that's translated worthless in this is the same word, poor. You have these poor elementary principles that you are trusting in. They leave you impoverished. They don't help you. The second or next difference we see is that there was a small nuance in the way Matthew and Luke describe the kingdom. Luke says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs, there that's third person, is the kingdom of God. Or sorry, Matthew said that Luke says, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. This is a nuanced difference. Remember, kingdom is the rule of God in our lives. It is God's rule that is present, coming, and yet not complete. The kingdom of heaven is when God's rule is complete, where every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Luke's gospel, he described this process to a man who was not yet believing but almost there. The first recognition God must give him is his absolute spiritual poverty. Blessed are those, because that is the first gift God gives you. It turns us into Christ. Do you understand why repentance needed to be the first gift? Because when he gives repentance, we turn into Christ, who then gives us faith, who then lends us life. That's why when John the Baptizer was preparing the way, his baptism was a baptism for what? Repentance. Because God gives grace gifts even before he gifts us with life. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. You know um, the feeling of hunger, right? I start getting it about 30 minutes into a message, which is almost always why the message gets faster as we get to the end. And last night I experienced it because I was working on said message and it was about 6.30 and I hungered. And so I ran across the Padang, went to my favorite Hokkien mee stall, $5 big one. And when I was eating it, I was satisfied. And then as soon as I was done, you know what I was thinking? I wonder what I'll have for breakfast. <laughs> because nothing we eat satisfies for long. When I drink my cup of coffee, I'm satisfied. And then it's empty, and I'm thinking, i got to get more coffee. And that's why Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman as he did. He said to her, whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become like a spring of water welling up in eternal life. Remember Ezekiel's river of life. Everything it touches begins to grow and fruit. And here's the comparison Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Matthew says, For they will receive and be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep. I, I am very cautious to talk about other ministries, but I don't know if you remember about 15, 20 years ago, a ministry that blew through Asia that taught us if the Holy Spirit was there, rather than give us power to stand, He knocks us over. And there was lots of laughter in the church, so much laughter, it was called holy laughter, God's people profaning His name, rolling around on the floor laughing. There is way too much laughter in the church even now. Because if Luke was here, he'd ask this question. Why no grieving? Have you forgotten it was our sin that put Him there? Are you so far from the cross that you forget the cost? Blessed are you who grieve over your own sinful condition, for you will laugh with the joy of being forgiven. You will know the comfort of the Father's forgiveness. Blessed are those who are grieving over their sin. That's not the reputation the church has today. Our reputation is of smug hypocrites who are offended by everyone else's sin. Blessed are you, Christian, when you grieve, for then you will be full of laughter, the joy of blessing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And then there is this one. Blessed are you, When people hate you, now I've been in church for a long time, and so I can tell you, and I apologize for those of you who are new, because you might be hearing this for the first time, but the church sometimes is cluttered with um, weirdos who come to church because people is kind to them and expect everybody to have grace no matter how they behave. That There is a very careful condition. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when, when they revile you, spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. This, this is why when I used to give missionaries orientation, I did everything I could to help them shed their culture. Because for most of us, we offend people long before the cross does. In, in, in fact, because my nation shares the longest undefended border in the world with America, a lot of visitors come from America, and, and let me just put this out there. Americans are some of the most friendly, open, lovely people that you'll ever want to meet, but they're very, very convinced that, that their culture is exceptional. Um, and so even when they know your culture, they'll assume you're probably mistaken. So, so typically because of the weather in Canada, we, we take our shoes off before we go into the house. Most houses will have what is called a mudroom. So you go into the mudroom, you take your shoes off, then you enter into the house. And never fails, Americans will come to my house and they will show that they know my culture by saying, do I need to take my shoes off? Wrong question, because Canadians are insecure and want to be liked, so I always say, no, no, no need, and then they don't take their shoes off. And I'm like, oh, Americans don't know culture. <laughs> Christians don't know culture. So we offend before the cross does. I mean the culture of Christ. We should be hated because of Jesus, not because we're idiots. We we should be excluded and reviled because of Christ, not because who we are. On account account of the Son of Man, the Messiah, rejoice in that day. Now, some of you are in the marketplace, right? And and you know how to succeed by making your look better than others? You know what that looks like to your boss? These, this guy has no ambition. You had better make it clear that you are working in the marketplace for the glory of the Lord, the King of Kings, not from your earthly supervisor. Otherwise, you'll always feel beat down. Our oldest son worked, was in the Canadian military for a while, and they did team building and what team building is in the Canadian military, some of you have been to NS, I don't know what it is in Singapore, but in Canada, it's after your drills, you all go out drink together until you're drunk and can't feel the pain. And my son refused to drink, and, and they also go to strip clubs, and my, our son refused to go to strip clubs. So his CO took him aside and said, you know, this is team building and you're team wrecking. You're clearly not a team player. How do you expect to be, you know, promoted? This is why I see the gospel in every Christmas song, even Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. How many of you know that song? Don't don't be proud. Thank you, Simon. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They would never let poor Rudolph play in the reindeer games. You remember that, Simon? Blessed are you, Rudolph! Rejoice and leap for joy, as long as that is because they identify us with the King of Kings. Here is Matthew's version, blessed are you when others revile and persecute you, utter evil against you falsely, on whose account? My account, the Son of Man, because of Christ There is great reward in heaven, and do you notice Luke's version is in present tense. While you are feeling excluded, while you are feeling like a Rudolph, there is now great reward. Great reward that you should understand is different that the, than the rewards you have now. Because my wife pointed out that the Singapore dollar is sinking in value because of, as Ollie says, it this virus thingy. And gold is really valuable. You know how valuable your gold will be in heaven? So valuable? No, you'll walk on it. The streets will be made of it. But those of us who have been and cast out and excluded because of the name of Christ, there is now, set aside for us, great reward in heaven. One other difference. Matthew's gospel has four other blessings, four other descriptions of the one who is blessed. Luke's gospel, four woes. Woe to you rich, woe to you full, woe to you laughters, woe to you who are popular. Woe, woe, woe. Look at this, he's saying. He's going to compare the state of dependence and the state of independence, and this is the first one. Blessed are you who are poor meaning humble, meaning you have realized everything you need is found in Christ, not in your strategy, not in your own personal merit. Everything you really need is not in your plan, but in His grace and mercy and in His provision. The rich are independent. We got there by our own merit. That word is a fascinating word in Greek, that word woe, It's a word that is meant to be pronounced like the sound of grief that comes out of a grieving widow's mouth. The Greek word is ouai. Ouai. It's a more distressed. It means, alas, calamity, a distressed ayo. Why, you rich people, you've relied on your merit, your skill, your intellect, your education. You were rich in all of that, and it took you stumbling towards your grave no better than anyone else who never drew breath. Why? Second, he said, blessed are the hungry, those who thirst after God. Did you feel that when you got up this morning? Did you feel that you were hungry for His Word? Blessed are you, because the satisfied have already been eating. There's no room in your inn. Someone else got there first. Your spiritual stomach has a no occupancy sign because you're just full up with other stuff. Philosophies that are bereft of value, they don't satisfy. Ooh, I, you people who are full. Woe to you who are full now, because when the grave comes, then you will know hunger. Then you will be like the rich men's friends who cried up out of hell and said, Please, you know, just, just bring a cup of water that we could wet our tongue with. Just a drop of water is all we desire now. Then you will be, ooh, I, woe is you. Blessed, those of you who weep, the repentant, because you will be richly rewarded with comfort, the comfort of gospel, the comfort of repentance, Uai, those of you who are full of laughter, unaware of what awaits, full of self contentment, Uai. And finally, blessed are you who have been rejected because you have been accepted by the God of eternity. Uai, those who allow yourselves to be treated. Like an idol. Uai, pastor who allows his people to boast about his giftedness. Uai, the business person who allows others to idolize their talent for making money. Uai, the one who seeks the adoration that belongs to God alone. So, yeah, that's kind of a depressing way to land a sermon. Why? I. But the good news is that before He gives us grace gifts, the gift of faith, He gives us mercy. He outlines to us this is a God who desires to bless you, not so that you can be like the ones that the false prophets were who enjoyed popularity, but hear the words of the father of those he spoke to, Moses. And if you faithfully obey, do you see how consistent God's word is? Well, you're waiting for faith, Theophilus. while well, you're struggling with your doubts, God yet gives other grace gifts. This gift of obedience, stretch out your hand, stand up and walk, follow me. This is why we need to totally revolutionize the way we think about discipleship. Discipleship begins often before faith. We've adopted a Western discipleship where we assume everyone comes from a Christian background. Get them saved first. Check that box. Then disciple them. But when you go to a place where there is no faith, you must disciple people into faith. Invite them to come and see the one who knows everything I've ever been or done. Allow them to experience the mercy of obedience turning of repentance, if you embrace this grace gift, then I dare you, just try to avoid the blessing of God. Because Moses says, if you obey the voice of your Lord, your God, if you're hungry for His words, these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field, blessed shall you be in the fruit of the womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Are you trying to make a decision? How will I choose? Will God bless me in this choice or bless me in that choice? If you embrace obedience, the answer is yes. Yes, because He is gracious and He is full of mercy. And so, this is our reflection. In what small ways do others observe me trusting completely in God's provision? Do they sense me full of smug self-righteousness? When I say, no, I'm a Christian, or do they sense in me a daily grief that it was my sin that put them there? Do they sense in me a hunger to express my opinion on every topic, or do they express in, or do they sense in me a hunger for every word that comes out of the mouth of the living God? Do they sense in me a personal autonomy or an absolute dependency on a sovereign God? If so, we can have confidence His blessing is after us. I want to invite you to bow with me for just a moment as we come to the Lord in this time of prayer. I think it's very possible that many of you have come in, just like those crowds from Tyre, just like the crowds that came from the east of the Jordan. You you were looking for, you know, to experience God. You want to just touch Him, want to improve your life in some way, extend it, make it healthier, get a promise fulfilled, perhaps in His mercy. His power will leak on you. But there is a better outcome. Not an improved life, but a new life. So I wonder if this morning you would consider not just touching Him, but leaning hard into Him. I wonder if you would dare to say, today, O God, I put my full weight on you because you're trustworthy. You're full of mercy. You give the grace of obedience. You give the the gift of turning away from myself my addiction to bad choices and turning into you. If you're here this morning then is a better life really better than a new life resting fully on him strengthened and nourished by the river of life bubbling up in you bringing healing to every corner of you I don't know about you But I stopped running because his mercy wore me out. Tried not to believe, tried to go my own way. So are you tired today? Tired of fighting those battles? Tired of the rat race of trying to succeed, get one neck ahead? and there is rest in total dependence on Him. You don't have to raise your hand and say, yeah, pastor, notice me. I'm, I'm, I need that. Because the Lord is hearing. He's listening to your heart cry right now. Even if you're at home and you're watching this on YouTube, God can respond right where you are. He will even answer those prayers. You don't know how to pray. If you're here, you don't have to tell him you're a mess. He knows you better than your own mother. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you better also. Father God, we thank you that you are still a God who hears and responds to our brokenness. So God, we acknowledge we come before you today poor, impoverished. Make us rich in you, O God. We come hungry for you, for every word preserved for us in the Bible. Help us to long for it. Let it sink deep into our hearts and leak out in our behaviors. God, we long to be satisfied in you. Help us to turn to you today. Fill us with life and fill us with purpose. Make us holy as you are. Set aside for you and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.